Hey Sentinel Warriors, thank you for joining us for another episode of 2420, the podcast where you can get 20th Air Force information in 20-ish minutes delivered on the 20th of each month. I will say this one is a bit longer, but these ladies had a lot of great info to give. I'm Lieutenant Emily Sean from 20th Air Force Public Affairs, and this episode was actually a briefing that Major Kim Rigby, aka Nike, and Captain Erica Wagonot aka Tacos, gave at the 20th Air Force Senior Leader Conference a few months ago about the Women's Initiative Team, referred to throughout this episode simply as WIT. Major Rigby at the time was the Deputy Chief of Staff of Air Force Global Strike Command and Air Force Global Strike Command WIT Champion and Air Force WIT LOE 5 Lead. Captain Wagonot is from the 341st Missile Wing Operations Group and is one of the leaders of the newly formed 20th Air Force WIT. In this episode, they give an overview of wit, lines of efforts, wins, and resources. I really hope you enjoy. Let's dive in. Awesome. Well, General Lutton uh, and 20th Air Force team, thanks so much for having us and giving us some time to chat with all of you today. Um, It's really awesome to see initiatives like this taking off and the support that we're getting from senior leaders just across the Air Force. Um, As mentioned today, I've also got tacos with me. Um, She's gonna share some information on what 20th Air Force team members are doing uh, to kind of take things down to the lowest level. So what I'll do is just kind of go over what the DAFBOG Women's Initiative team is with you. And then I'll turn the floor over to some uh, 13N, ICBM, more uh, specific initiatives that are in the works. So big picture, one of the things that just DOD in general has been trying to do is obviously, you know, we're in a great talent competition. So we're trying to look for innovative ways that we can up retention numbers, up recruitment numbers, and take advantage of the unique talent and skill sets that we have in our airmen and guardians, specifically to the Air Force. Um, So as you can see here, you know, roughly about 20% of the Air Force uh, is made up of women right now, and the DOD has recognized that we have specific differences and needs that we need to kind of consider a little bit more to continue you know, allowing women to serve and where we can remove those barriers. So that's kind of where the women's initiatives team comes in. So the Department of the Air Force has set up barrier analysis working groups. Um, and I think that's about since about 2007 or so, the women's initiative team was founded in 2008. And our mission is to be an advocate that influences a woman's propensity to serve in the air and space forces. So how we do that is by listening to service members and civilians to hear their stories and help identify what barriers might be in place for their service. And then what we do is work with them and work with a team. And we have a whole bunch of tools in our pocket that we do to remove those barriers, mostly through policy change. Um, We joke a lot in the wit that really when it comes down to it, a lot of our initiatives are as simple as filling out a form 847, which is just a recommended change. Um, But there's a lot more that goes into it, which I can talk about. So one thing we ask folks a lot of times is, what barriers are out there that you wanna break? Um, And at the end of the day, that's what we try to do. Where are those barriers and what can we do to help remove them? So current lines of effort, we have 12, and there are a lot of things that go into those. Um, I have some information later and where you can find more info about that. But one thing the Women's Initiatives team is really charged with is looking at problems that are specific to women. The awesome part about the WIT is its popularity because we've been able to enact a lot of change. We've just grown and grown and grown. So our senior champions these days are challenging us to really take on efforts that are women specific. A lot of times what we uncover as we do these is there are ties for our male counterparts. There are ties for so many other people. And we obviously work those as well, but we're also working with the DAFBOG teams to figure out 
are there better places? You know, is Fortify the Force or another barrier analysis group the right place for that? And I'll talk about what some of those other teams are too in a sec. We look at a lot of childcare policies and programs. Those obviously touch our male counterparts as well. Some more female specific is different pregnancy discrimination and maternal biases. Uh, Femaleized specialized healthcare. Uh, that is where the ponytail change came from. Um, looking at some healthcare, you know, and health related issues that came uh, from the bun. Uh, we also have a team that looks at space force development as they're standing up and looking at uh, women's issues as they you know kind of figure out what can we do in policy that we don't write barriers into policy another one that we have is family member accommodations it's actually the loe that i lead along with a team um, so we look at programs like efmp family care plans bereavement leave you know where are there things that holistically we can get better at supporting families staff development is just looking at different leadership opportunities uh, different pm me, how can we integrate to make sure that we're talking about um, some of these things and that we're providing airmen and guardians with kind of a basic understanding of some of these things. So as they're growing as leaders, they're better able to help, you know, attend to barriers and help remove those for their folks. Um, we also look at parental and family leave programs. I have some more info about that. Uh, one size does not fit all is about anthropometrics. Um, a lot of work in there comes on the aviation side. Um, but really anywhere that we're looking at anthropometric data for folks, uh, there's a lot of barriers in that because the data that's out there is from about the 1950s and 60s. And the average body type that it was looked at um, that was taken as they developed this uh, was about a five foot nine inch man that weighed about 165 pounds. So I'm sure there's a lot of folks in the room that even if you're a male that fit outside of those. And that is true industry-wide. So if you look at things like crash test dummies, that's kind of the average size. So if you fit outside of there, there's a lot of folks um, that can benefit not just women as we look at this anthropometric data for aircraft. Um, we also have a team that looks and works in tandem with Sapper uh, to conduct counter sexual harassment and uh, sexual assault. We have a team that looks at awards and decks, um, and that is a little more internal. They work to make sure that we're getting recognition out to folks who work on things. We have a team that looks at general neutral gender neutral language as we're writing these policies to make sure that we're being as inclusive as possible. And then we also have a team that works on external engagement. And I'll talk a little bit about more of that in a sec, but that's where you get into some of your symposium um, events like this as well. In the middle are two awesome picks of maternity flight suits. So it's been a huge win for the WIT um, and impacts both our ICBMs and our aviator side. And I love the pick at the bottom down here, this um, young major, they did a photo shoot uh, celebrating the free the bun and maternity flight suits. She wore hers. Um, and then this year they did a secondary uh, picture just as an anniversary, which you can see over in the top right. Um, and she had actually had her son by then. So she brought him in a flight suit. So it was pretty cool to get the before and after, I guess, on that pic. Um, up in the top right was that recent event I just mentioned as well. We did a um, event at the Women's uh, Memorial down in DC, um, and we had representatives from every service group uh, except the Marines that have all successfully, as you can see there, freed the bun. Uh, the Marines are still kind of working on it, but they're a little more uh, hesitant to uh, get behind that. So I'll go through these quick because I want to make sure that Tacos has some time to talk to you guys about some of the initiatives that we're doing with 13 ends. Um, but these are just some of the recent headlines that have to do with, um, you know, some of the efforts that WIT has working. The undersecretary has been a huge proponent and a huge champion of a lot of our efforts. And it's been great to get to have her on our side with this and champion a lot of things. Um, what she's told us before is, you know, a lot of times there are no reasons to keep some of these policies that are restricted if they don't make sense. 
um, you know, where can we change things? If it's not illegal and moral and unethical, you know, let's find a way to get to yes so we can enable folks to continue serving. Um, and one thing that is in the works that we have teams looking at is the fact that for a lot of PME programs, OTS especially, um, there is a channel that is almost closed to some folks because right now women have to get a waiver to apply to OTS if they are pregnant. So you can imagine, you know, some of that process if you have an individual that needs a waiver, sometimes there may be a bias there. Of, well, does someone else who doesn't need a waiver might be a stronger candidate? But also, as we know, OTS class dates can take forever as you go through that process. So why, like the, you know, under SECAF said, why would someone applying to be an officer need to submit a waiver just to get accepted to OTS because they're pregnant? So that's one thing that we're looking at removing. You know, we don't want to turn down any of our sharp enlisted troops or any sharp civilians that are out there because of the waiver? Where can we break those barriers that'll help someone in that process? Um, another one that you may have seen recently is the DAF Women's Air and Space Power Symposium. We recently hosted our second event. The first was last year. Um, and our opening keynote was Secretary Kendall, um, who's been a huge proponent of a lot of our efforts. And it's been really great to get to talk to him and work in tandem with these. But one of the things he said during his remarks was on there was representation matters. Having female leaders at the table matters. And as a SACAF, he there said that he acknowledged we had more work to do and that we need to ensure that all who serve and want to serve can do that, creating an environment where they feel needed, where their service is equal, and that families are taken care of. Now, you'll notice in there, the thing I love about some of this work that we do with WIT is while WIT is focused on women's initiatives, a lot of these things that we do trying to break down barriers to service, you know, none of the things in there say anything that's specific to women. You know, that's for men too. We just want everyone to be able to be free, to be their authentic self and to serve to their best capacity and make sure their families are taken care of. So like I said, a lot of what WIT does is advocating for people. We just look at it through a woman's. Um, some other recent wins that we've had, there is a policy that impacted uh, USAFA cadets where they already had children to get an appointment to the academy. They had to give up their parental rights. There is a team, the young lady on this picture um, has been a huge proponent of this and has worked really, really, really hard. Um, she was in that same situation herself. And this is a huge barrier because if there are individuals out there who wanna apply that have the talents that we need in our air and space forces, that's a huge decision. So the recent NDAA uh, has a policy that will allow those cadets and midshipmen to preserve their parental rights while they attend a military academy. This is such a huge win and I think will open up a lot of opportunity for our, for our future. A new one that has come out and you may have seen some language about is expanding caregiver separation and childbirth separation. Previously, the policy only allowed for women to make that decision following a year of either childbirth, adoption, or qualifying foster events. And now it's being opened up to look at the, up, excuse me, not foster, just childbirth or adoption, but that new policy will come into effect that will allow our male counterparts to do so as well. Now, we do recognize there are still some barriers with this policy. Right now, it only allows dual mill couples that opportunity. We are still championing and working to try to get that expanded. So just, uh, you know, mill to sieve partners, that military member still has that option, whether male or female. Um, and that's one thing I love about WIT is even though we may not get everything we ask for, we continue working with those teams, get the small wins where we can, and then continue working for those larger ones. So we're hopeful that we'll be able to get that passed down the line as well.
Another one is parental leave. And you may have seen some info about this recently. Um, it's been kind of all over social media, um, but the NDAA also increased uh, parental leave for 12 weeks, and that is primary or secondary. And again, a qualifying birth event or adoption. Now for our male counterparts, that can be an, an, a super increase because before they had as little as two weeks for some of our service members. Now, one thing to point out, and especially with a great group of leaders like this in the room, one thing to share with your teams is this was recently clarified by uh, General Kelly, and we appreciated his support with this, but the appropriate designation for that primary caregiver leave, whether dual mill, whether mill sieve, lies with the members. So the service member is responsible for determining who the primary or secondary caregiver is to use that leave. The NDAA also will eliminate the designations of primary and secondary, and it'll be 12 weeks of non-chargeable event for qualifying birth, adoption, or foster care. So just something to pass out to your teams. And obviously, as I, as I educate folks in this, I always like to advocate that this is a conversation that hopefully we're having you know, as leaders with our folks. Hey, where are you planning to take this leave? You know, we, we have very unique mission requirements in Global Strike um, that can make this challenging, but having a conversation so that members know exactly what their, what their rights are through these policies and helping them make smart decisions that can help balance the needs of their family with the needs of the mission, I think will just make us stronger. Another one that is very new as well is a change for perinatal leave. Uh, following any kind of uh, miscarriage or perinatal loss, women actually get a little additional time that for their healing themselves. The tables are a little hard to read up here, but the reference overall is in 41.210 and 4.33 talks about it. Uh, those ladies can get convalescent leave and it is not an alternative to remember being excused from duty status if they can uh, be returned to a limited duty. However, the military convalescent leave, maternity convalescent leave, is for a convert service birth parent after a qualifying event. And it's up to 42 days of leave. Now, one thing WIT is working on is trying to get some of these uh, designations changed in the time. But you'll see um, right now for first trimester, less than 12 weeks in zero days, a member gets seven days convalescent leave to recover from that. Now up to third trimester or a baby was born alive after gestation is up to 42 days. And this also makes some concessions for PT testing as well. So definitely something to look at and keep in mind should you unfortunately have someone that is suffering through this, but there are additional concessions for them. Another one that's been a really recent win and a lot of folks have been really excited about, um, we've had a team that has been lobbying DOD wide just to get a change to the JTR, but the JTR has a change now that allows for members to get a miscellaneous reimbursable expense for the cost of breast milk transportation. This one has been huge getting it in. So this covers DOD wide. If members are going TDY, they can use this change to get reimbursed for those costs. There are different uh, companies out there. One that they mentioned in this language is Milk Stork um, that will help, you know, transport and, uh, you know, deliver this breast milk. Um, so that's something to keep in mind too. If you have some ladies out there who, you know, have to go TDY for some time, um, SOS or a deployment, you know, this is something that they can put in and file for. 
There's a couple of different resources I want to point in your direction. The WIT portal is accessible through Air Force Portal, and it's a great starting point on what we're working on. It's got all 12 LOEs listed out. It's got all of our POCs on there and all of the sub LOEs. If you want to kind of get in the weeds to see exactly what's going on under each of those, that's a really great starting place. And that is an awesome place too, if you have some motivated members who want to join WIT to push them because they'll get all the contact info and they'll have more instructions about how to sign up and how to talk to their supervisor just to make sure that they are putting, they understand the time commitment um, and that it is all volunteer. The DAF Barrier Analysis Working Group Charter, but that has a lot more details about why the BOGs were stood up, um, how they were created, who we serve, and some other details um, as well. Uh, we have a Facebook group, and that is where a lot of coordination of, hey, who was working on this? Have folks thought about this? Um, it's a great place to get information. It's a great place to hear about other educational opportunities. Um, we try to share a lot of info about what we're working on, any opportunities for education, like attending symposium, um, like the Global Strike Women's Leadership Symposium, um, or even just any kind of PME stuff. Anything that we can, we like to try to you know, connect folks there as well. Lastly, I'll leave you with this quote before I turn it over to Tacos, but this was one that has really stuck out to our team from the Undersecretary. Uh, she said a while back when she was first appointed that for the Air and Space Force, we needed a talent as diverse as the opportunities and challenges we face as a country, and that the threat and our ability to address that is based on the talent within our Space Force and our Air Force. This is the one thing that the WIT really tries to do. At the end of the day, we want to remove as many barriers as we can to just increase a woman's propensity to continue serving. You know, we look at that as an opportunity to increase readiness, to increase our resources, to increase retention, recruitment overall. You know, where can we be supportive of our members to ensure that they have the best possible environment? Um, and what I like to tell folks, the, the one thing that stuck out to me was, you know, ponytails is a change on the outside doesn't seem like such a big deal. But if there's any ladies in the room and you've ever gone home with a hair headache or for any of our gentlemen in the room, if you have a daughter or a wife or, you know, a woman in your life who has complained about a hair headache, there's an actual health, you know, reasons of why this got supported and why we quote freed the bun. But at the end of the day, if someone is going home or, or suffering through work, you know, with a migraine because of a bun, that's taking them away from the opportunity to get creative about our mission. And in the nuclear business, the last thing we want is someone distracted. So the ability to have someone, you know, not having these adverse health effects now gives them that time back and that focus back to get more creative and innovative about our mission. So sometimes it seems like such little tiny details, but it can have such a huger impact. And that's really what we try to do. We want to be able to offer opportunities for folks to be more innovative and more creative about our mission so that we can win in a high-end fight. So with that, I want to turn it over to Tacos. Um, Tacos and Elizabeth um, have both been working really, really hard to get uh, some awesome women together on the 13N side, and it's been really great to work with them and see what they've come up with. Um, some time back, they identified a couple different barriers and reached out to the Women's Initiatives team and said, hey, how can we support these things for 13Ns? We have a really unique mission set, and one thing that we try to do with WIT is we look at policies at the DAF level, and sometimes folks come to us and it's like a very AFSC or uh, job specific thing. And what we like to do is try to work down to the lowest level possible to enact that change. Because first, the people that are out there experiencing this are the ones that are going to have the best knowledge about what it might take to allow them to serve you know, a greater capacity or remove some of these barriers. Um, but what we also like to do is get that to the lowest level possible. You know, Is there a way that we can do this where it doesn't necessitate maybe DAF level change? Is that something that can be a wing level guidance or a NAF level guidance or a MAGCOM level? 
Um, so it's been awesome to share what I've been able to, you know, work on it with both WIT and work on as a proponent at Global Strike at the MatchCom with them and to see some of their efforts. Um, so I'll turn it over to Tacos. All right. Again, I am Captain Erica Weikenot. My call sign is Tacos. I am at the 341st Missile Wing and my current job, I'm the 341st OG representative in our integrated planning cell. And I am also one of the co-leads for the 13N Women's Initiative team here at Malmstrom. So why do we exist? We exist to break barriers and build bridges for equity across gender, culture, race, and ethnicity so that the 13N community becomes the most diverse, inclusive, equitable, and lethal community in the United States Air Force. Part of being lethal is ensuring that we are capitalizing on the diversity of thought, the diversity of culture, and making sure that everyone has a seat at the table. Why do we actually start in the first place? Back in 2021, end of 2020, beginning of 2021, there was a DEOX survey that came back in the 341st OG that highlighted that women in the 341st OG had significantly lower job satisfaction compared to their male counterparts. Only 60% of women reported feeling satisfied in their job compared to 90% of their male counterparts. So I at the time was tasked to figure out why that was because Clearly there was a concern amongst women that they weren't either feeling heard or being supported. So that led to October of 2021, we released a survey, not only to one particular squadron, but to the entire 341st OG, highlighting both positive and negative female 13N experiences to kind of gauge where that job dissatisfaction was coming from. And what we found was that we were lacking in areas regarding single airman support, uh, personal safety, mentorship, mental health care, and then family planning, child care, and lactation support for our nursing mothers. So what we did then was establish these three LOEs, and they are the three LOEs that we are currently working on. So we have our first LOE, pregnancy and operational experience. LOE number two, child care in the 13N community, and then LOE number three, breastfeeding at the MAF or LCC. So for LOE number one, pregnancy and operations experience, the goal or objective of this LOE is to ensure that we aren't negatively impacting our pregnant or birthing people because of their need to take an absence from operational actions. And this LOE in particular, to kind of highlight again what Major Rigby was saying, it doesn't just affect pregnant women or birthing people. It affects anyone who maybe has to take a prolonged absence due to a DNEA status, a surgery, for example. We just had a crew member who uh, needed surgery and they are going to be out of the fight for an extended period of time. So how can we ensure that our airmen are being supported and getting the care and taking the time off that they need while not being negatively impacted uh, operationally and consequently for their career. So I am the LOE lead for this particular LOE uh, with Lieutenant Colonel Heydrich as my 
advisor. Uh, what are we looking to do to modernize our operator upgrade process in order to ensure that we are retaining and appropriately progressing high quality officers and operators while still remaining equitable to birthing people, as well as providing commanders at all levels the resources that they need to enable risk-informed decision-making in support of those birthing people. For LOE number two, we have childcare in the 13N community. Uh, Lieutenant Liz Adadero is the LOE lead for this. What we're looking to do here and what we are currently working with our local force support squadron as well as uh, mission support group is partnering with them and establishing ways forward on how we can continue our own grassroots efforts, whether it's recruiting more childcare providers, advertising the availability and the need for those childcare providers, as well as providing those providers with the resources that they need to be successful and to support the mission as best we can. Because the reality is I am a better operator when I know that my home life is taken care of. Same for our defenders, same for our chefs who are going out to the missile field. And this became particularly evident when we switched from 24 hour deployments for the ops group or five day deployments for uh, our FMs and our chefs and a lot of our uh, defenders to what we are doing now where everyone is on that week long deployment cycle. That really highlighted the need for solid childcare across the board. So that's what LOE number two is currently working toward. And then finally, LOE number three, breastfeeding or lactation at the MAF or LCC. Another thing that the switch to the seven-day deployments highlighted was the need to be able to support nursing mothers or young mothers as they are returning back to their respective jobs. So the vision being to facilitate and support crew members, but also our defenders and our chefs and our facility managers and their ability to supply breast milk to their infants for that first year of life, which mirrors the uh, Department of the Air Force's lactation policy as well, with as little difficulty or interruption as possible. And what does that look like? It looks like making sure that there is breastfeeding storage at the MAF, making sure that there is a way to properly clean and sanitize breast pumps and breast pump parts at, at the MAFs as well. And then for the LCC specifically, there are currently four dash 12 approved breast pumps available in the system. However, there are certain caveats. For example, members need to be approximately six feet away from the console whenever they are uh, pumping. Now, I don't know how many people have been in an LCC, but if I was to be sitting at a console trying to answer the phone, but still be approximately six feet away from the console while plugged in, the amount of time that it takes to unhook myself from the pump and then make it to the console in order to answer some mission critical phone call, it's, it's, a, it's a tax on the member. So how are we ensuring that we are providing the member with all the response, all the, um, opportunity to be able to provide that breast milk for their child while also maintaining those mission requirements and being successful when they return to duty. The LOE lead for this LOE is Captain Pamela Blanco-Coca over at the 315th WHIPS. And she has been doing awesome work herself and uh, Captain Foreman. Um, they are really leaning 
forward on this LOE. So it's been great to see. Something that we are pushing towards now with this LOE as well is getting hands-free breast pumps available and approved for use in the LCC as long as the Bluetooth is, capability is turned off. These particular breast pumps are already approved to be in a skiff room in other commands. So that is that would be a huge win for us if we could get that approved. So that's something that they're working on at this time. Um, and an additional one too, which Tacos can maybe talk to a little bit, is also that storage that she mentioned. Um, you know, is having a dedicated space because there are differences in the regs for lactation support with where you can store that breast milk. You cannot store it near, you know, food or, or perishable items. So if we only have a freezer that is for the crew to put meals in for later, that's not an approved storage space. So we need a separate area or just a separate device for women to be able to store that. So, um, but I would, you know, encourage your teams as you look at these things to keep that future in the focus as well. Um, a couple of weeks ago, I was getting a familiarization brief from A5 about GBSD, and they actually, that was the first time that they brought up having the ability to be able to pump uh, for lactating mothers downstairs. That was one of their top priorities that they've listed now. So they are thinking about it, and that is uh, definitely something that they are supportive of and advocating for as, as we move uh, into the future. What we need now is advocacy from, from the top down and ensuring a unity of effort across the NAF. Uh, that's really what we're looking for. Uh, if we could ask for and continue to push representation across all levels at all of the uh, missile wings, uh, that's really what we need. Many hands make light work. So we have some people who are passionate, but many people who are passionate and pushing forward is always uh, more helpful to ensure that unity of effort is really what we need at this time. Again, thank you so much for listening to 2420. Armed with all this great information about the WIT, we encourage you to get involved and spread the word. This is open to everyone, total force, men, women, reserve, guard, civilian, active duty, everyone. So whether you just start engaging in the conversations on the Deaf Women's Initiatives Team's Facebook page or decide to lead an LOE yourself, you can make a difference for the better. Thank you for listening, and we will see you next time.